Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thanks for being here, church family, and thank you to everybody that's joining us online uh, right now uh, from home or from your car or as you're working out, wherever you're at and you're tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this Easter at the chapel. I I just want to take us for a few minutes uh, and to imagine ourselves in the shoes of some of those early disciples. These were some people that had given up sometimes family, jobs, to follow Jesus because all that he had become to them. They had seen Jesus perform incredible miracles. They had heard Jesus' teaching and his words were just like life to them. But then the one that they thought was going to be the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the savior of the world, was arrested and he was put on trial. And he was mocked, and he was beaten and spit upon, and he was crucified like a common criminal on a cross, buried in a tomb, and he had been dead for nearly three days. The disciples had lost all hope. Two of them said, we're out of here, and they were headed back home. That's where we join the journey of these two particular disciples found in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. It says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, which was their hometown, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, it says they were talking about everything that had happened, and as they talked... And discuss all of these things. It says Jesus himself came and began walking with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus had risen that moment, morning, but they didn't realize it yet. And now he shows up on the road with them. It says he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, he replied, you must be the only person in all of Jerusalem that hasn't heard about all the things that have happened over these last few days. What things, Jesus, the stranger, asked them? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all of the people. But our leading priests and the other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. As these two disciples are walking along the road and Jesus shows up, they can't recognize him, but he's there. Their heads hanging low, their spirits crushed. The disappointment that you hear in their voices, the disillusionment 
in their minds and hearts. And yet, Jesus is walking right next to them. It leads me to our first observation from this account, that Jesus was right there, but they just didn't realize him. Now, the text says that they were kept from recognizing him. God was up to something. And sometimes, even when we can't see Jesus, God is up to something. But I wonder what what gets in the way in our lives of sometimes seeing Jesus. It can happen, can't it? Circumstances, disappointments, broken promises, unanswered prayers. Where is he? The same thing can happen in our everyday life. You know, you, you ever been just looking around the house for your, maybe your keys or your cell phone and like you've looked everywhere and of course mom says, well, have you retraced your steps? And you're like, yes, like 18,000 times. I can't find it, right? Or maybe you're, you're looking for something in the cupboard or the refrigerator and you're just standing there like looking and somebody walks by and they're like, what are you looking for? It's right there. You ever had that happen? And it's like, It's so frustrating and annoying in that moment, isn't it? Like, how did they see something that was right there in front of me all along, but I just just didn't see it? Sometimes it's that way with Jesus. It's one thing, you know, if, you know, it's just the jar of sweet pickles that you're looking for and you can't see them. It's maybe a little bit more significant when you can't find your keys or your wallet. But what about when you can't find God? Or what about, what? maybe you're here this weekend or you're viewing online and people keep telling you about faith and you need to go to church and, you know, you need, you need to know who Jesus really is and honestly, Jesus is just a stranger to you. And you're like, I don't, I don't see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not real or that he's not there. I mean, what if he's been walking along the road with you the whole time? Or maybe you're a Christ follower and and you put your faith in Jesus, but some things have happened and your hope has gotten misplaced. And, And you can't seem to see Jesus right now. Again, I just want you to consider, what if he's been walking next to you the whole time? leads me to a second observation specifically about these two disciples, and that is that they were living a we-had-hoped kind of life. Remember Cleopas' words to Jesus the stranger on the road? He said, we had hoped that he was the Messiah, the one who had come to rescue Israel. You see, Cleopas and many of the other disciples, many in the, in the area in that day, had heard about Jesus, had seen Jesus, had watched Jesus, and were thinking, this is the one, maybe he's the one, the one that's come to rescue us. They were all hoping that that the Messiah was going to save them, rescue them from the, the tyrannical oppression that was brought about by the Roman government at the time. And they were looking for some results. They were looking for the the Messiah to come and to, 
take away their circumstances or to change their circumstances. And when Jesus didn't ride in on a white horse and take over in power and rescue and free the people, instead he rides in on a donkey. And, and he's, a, he's a suffering servant who surrenders his life. That led to a, a we had hoped kind of moment. And the same thing can happen in our lives, can't it? We had hoped, you know, we could work things out. But now the marriage is dissolved. I had hoped that I would get out of this job that I hate going to. I've prayed about it. But Jesus just seems nowhere to be found. Can't see him. We'd hoped. We, we, I'd hoped that he was going to bring me my soulmate. But I'm still all alone. Or we had hoped that those wouldn't be the results from the doctor. And we can slip into a we had hoped kind of mindset that is devoid of the reality of the resurrection. These two disciples, hanging their heads hopeless, had given up. Jesus didn't bring the results that they were looking for, and because of it, they almost missed the resurrected one who was right there next to them. And yet they should have had hope. In fact, the text says that these two disciples that were headed out of town back to their hometown had heard rumors, stories about some women that had went to the tomb that morning and the stone had been rolled away and they couldn't find the body of Jesus. In fact, it says they, they reported back that an angel had appeared to them and told them that Jesus had risen from the dead. And yet these two disciples, it was just too far of a stretch. They couldn't believe it, or they wouldn't believe it. They had lost hope, and yet hope was walking with them. And that's what sticks out to me, is that here these, these guys, they're walking away from the cross, the tomb. They're walking away from the epicenter of history. And yet when they're walking away, Jesus chooses to walk with them. I want you to know that if you're here this, this weekend or you're viewing online and you've been just walking your own way, maybe walking away from faith, maybe walking away from Jesus, maybe walking away in doubt, what this text tells me is that Jesus is willing to walk with you. To meet you there when you're hopeless, when you've given up, when you're going back to your old life. Well, the text goes on to say, by this time they were nearing Emmaus, their hometown. What's interesting is what has happened just before this. Uh, Jesus talks to these guys. You know, Jesus is just this stranger to them. But he starts to open up the scriptures. He, he tells them about the Old Testament prophecies. 
And he corrects their thinking, reminding them that there were ancient prophecies that the Messiah would indeed have to suffer. And something started to resonate within their hearts as they listened to the stranger on the road. And so they come to Emmaus, their hometown, at the end of the journey, and it says that Jesus acted, I love this, he acted as if he were going on. They get into town, they're going to go to their home, and Jesus is like, all right, yeah, good talking to you guys, you know. But he knows something's happening. Something's happening in their heart. And, and Jesus waits. This is so significant. He does not invite himself over. He does not invite himself into their lives. He waits. And then it happens. But they begged him, stay the night with us. It's getting late. And so it says he went home with them. This is, again, so significant. Jesus might be a stranger to you, or maybe you've lost hope, and Jesus may not show up with a light show and writing in the sky. He may be the stranger in the midst of the mundane, and he's just waiting for us to open our lives to him, to to invite him in, to take A risk, just like these two disciples, they took a risk inviting this stranger into their home. And they choose to show some hospitality to welcome him. And what happens next is so profound. It says, as they sat down to eat, he, being Jesus, Jesus now, he takes the lead. And he takes the bread, and it says he blessed it. He prayed over it, and he broke it. And he offered it to these two disciples, and something happened in that moment. And it says, suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Can you imagine? The stranger was the risen Savior. The one that they couldn't see, wouldn't see, did not recognize. The one that they had lost hope in was at their table with them, breaking bread. And now he reveals himself to them. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And and it says that, the text says that within the hour, I mean, they had just gotten home. It's late in the evening now. They had just gotten home, had a meal with Jesus. Jesus disappears now after appearing to them. And it says within the hour they turned right around and they headed back to Jerusalem. They wanted to go back to the epicenter of it all. They went to go find the other disciples. And the other disciples come out saying, have you heard? Jesus has risen. He appeared to Peter. And then it says, and then the two from Emmaus, they told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking on the road. And their their joy erupted, their hope flooded back in, and they shared their story. And it leads us to the final observation from this incredible happening in history, that the resurrection of Jesus, it is the key to moving from a we-had-hoped life to a we-had-hoped have hope kind of life. 
It changed everything for these disciples. They couldn't stop sharing the story, telling others. And you guys, this is why we are, we are here right now, 2,000 years later, because someone shared the story who shared the story who shared the story, and today we're here to share the story. It's why we exist as a church. The very epicenter of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus. You guys, think about this. If a man predicted that he was going to die and rise again in three days, and then he actually did it, and this is an eyewitness account that we've just read about, if a man can rise from the dead, whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through, there's hope. And you can move from living this, we had hoped, Do we have hope? A confident, courageous place of faith. And the hope that we have, it's not based upon our circumstances. They may not change. The hope that we have is not on some, some wild philosophical theory. The hope that we have is found in a person, the person of Jesus who died, was buried, and rose from the grave. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I can still remember as a 17-year-old high school student trying to figure out what life was all about. Looking for, like, real love. Looking for meaning and purpose in my life. Wanting to be noticed. Wanting to wanting to be someone, wanting to make a difference in somebody else's life. And all those hopes that I had were a blur. Until I asked Jesus to come into my life. And in an instant, my life was flooded with a, with a love that I did not know the God of the universe had for me. My life was flooded with a hope that goes beyond this life into eternity, a hope that I'll never have to face the fires of hell, a hope that gives me purpose for life here and now. And that hope is because someone rose from the grave, and that hope can be yours. It's the way that we move from we had hoped to we have hope. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your great, long-suffering patience with those early disciples, most of whom had lost all hope and given up. And you were willing, even though they couldn't recognize you, you were up to something. And you were willing to walk the road with them, even when they were walking away from you. And Jesus, you were just waiting, waiting for them to invite you in. And maybe there's someone watching or somebody here right now, and you are just waiting. You're just waiting for them to take a risk on the stranger who really is the Savior. You've been there all along. God, I pray that you would break bread in front of someone right now. 
and that you would open their eyes and that we would discover that because you live, we can have real life. Bring us your hope. We celebrate you in all that you are and we look on the horizon for your appearing in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and let's worship him.